Well, my plan for today was to preach 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, and I was really about ready to do that, and the more I studied that text, the more I thought that text is a perfect text for us in two weeks. Uh, two weeks from now is Communion Sunday. Two weeks from now, we will also bring in a number of new members. Two weeks from now, we'll also have our annual meeting, and that text of 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 16, celebrates the church and celebrates the gospel. And on that particular Sunday, we want to do both of those things. And so if you'll allow me, I'm going to switch gears a bit today, and I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 46. Next week, uh, I do not plan to be here. Uh, Mark Pittman has been kind enough to agree to preach for us next week, and so you can pray for him this week as he uh, prepares. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I turned 60, hard to believe, but I am now 60 years of age, and our kids, along with some of you, and I don't know who you are, but if you're part of it, thank you, decided to bless Josh and I with a trip uh, next weekend. So if you want to know more about that trip, you can talk to me about it. But I will not be here next week, um, but uh, we'll plan to be back in two weeks, and we'll look forward to that time together. So Psalm 46 is where we are this morning. I'd like to read that as we begin this morning. This is one of my favorite psalms, and it's a psalm that I go to personally again and again, and it is addressing something that is common to all of us, and um, I hope it will encourage your heart this morning. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. We just sang about that, in fact. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I would suggest this morning that fear is a common struggle among among God's people. Sometimes, because of fear, people move from city to city. They move from friend to friend. They can lock themselves in houses. They can neglect to get physical care. Some will not travel by air. Some will flee life itself and have hearts and lives that don't experience the peace 
of God. Now, not all fear is sin, but again and again throughout Scripture, God reminds us, do not fear. When Lot was carried away by an enemy along with his possessions, Abram, along with 318 trained men, pursued the captors and rescued his nephew and all of his family and possessions. However, when Abram got home, his heart began to surge with fear because he thought about the hornet's nest that he just stirred up. But God spoke to Abram in Genesis 15, 1, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So these were timely words that provided great comfort to Abram's heart. When Isaac and men quarreled over water at Gerah, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said in Genesis 26, 24, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. After Daniel had a frightening vision and he was trembling and his knees were shaking, a messenger of the Lord said to Daniel, came to Daniel and said to him from Daniel 10, 19, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. Through, through Isaac, the Lord spoke to his servant, in Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you out. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then one final passage from Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says this, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by, by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, these words, uh, fear not, um, from a complete stranger might not carry really a lot of weight. However, if God has given you a new heart, resulting in your repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, then, and though you were once alienated from God, have now been brought back to God. When he says, fear not, your heart will be comforted. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Part of our sanctification is learning to live in light of his care for us, his redeemed people. In Psalm 46, God gives good reasons not to fear. And so we want to ask, as we think about Psalm 46, what are those reasons not to fear? Well, first of all, it's because of who God is that you need not fear calamity. In verses 1 through 3, we, we learn a number of things about God. First, we learn that God is your refuge. A, a refuge is a place of shelter, a place of safety. It's, it's literally a place of shelter from the rain or storm or danger. Uh, when you know a tornado is coming, you look for shelter like 
something, it's a, a deep underground bunker. I can remember a couple of years ago when Jessica graduated from college, we had a celebration at our house and this storm rolled in. We had these storm clouds, the wind picked up and before you knew it, it was just raining buckets. The wind was blowing sideways. Uh, a number of trees came down around us. Our neighbor just behind us had the top of a pine tree that was broken off and it was like jammed down into the ground. And we, we thankfully moved everything into the garage because we thought it might rain, but we just stood there watching all of this stuff. Later I found out that someone had reported to the fire department that there was actually a funnel cloud coming down the railroad tracks right near our house. And we were just kind of standing there watching it. Um, unknowingly very vulnerable to a potential storm. Uh, in hindsight, it would have been good for us to retreat to the basement, but we didn't. Thankfully, God kept us safe. But I want you to know, life has many storms. Uh, it may come in the form of a personal battle with sin. It may come in the form of difficult and life-changing circumstances, a, a job, relationships, uh, and on our own, left to ourselves, we are vulnerable. But because God is our refuge, we can find a place of safety. Now, that doesn't mean that we will always be spared physical pain or spared financial loss. This promise doesn't mean that we won't lose some or all of our temporal or earthly things. We may even die physically, but... God is promising to protect us from being swept away by evil. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 through 32, Jesus says this, and I quote, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So if you are in Christ, you have a relationship with Christ, nothing, absolutely nothing, Nothing can separate you from God's love for you in the person of Christ. So the psalmist says God is our refuge, but that's not all. He says God is your strength. Now, normal life for Christians seems to have ways of exposing our weakness and vulnerability. We've all been there. We go there again and again. We know what to do, but in our own strength, we lack the ability to do it. We're, we are dependent upon God's strength for living the Christian life. Uh, we have hope to survive the storms of life because God is our strength. He is all powerful. Our hope in life comes from the fact that he is dynamically, personally involved in our lives. We, we serve a God who empowers the weak for action. He, he knows when we're weak and he delights in giving us the strength that we need. Third, God is your help in trouble. When trouble comes into your life, it doesn't mean that the plan of God has gone haywire. Uh, 
Um, please notice that the psalmist assumes that we will have trouble. The psalmist assumes that we will have trouble. Our troubles are occasions to experience God's help. God is your very present help in trouble. God is near and he gives the assistance and the help that we need for what we face in life. We are okay, not just when the storm is over, but because God is with us in the storm. And this is vital to know because in verses 2 and 3 we read, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Because you see here, calamities do happen. The psalmist describes a turbulent cosmic turmoil, perhaps an earthquake that threatened the city in which he lived. People have said for years um, here in this country that one of these days, a portion of California is going to uh, break off and go into the Pacific Ocean. Um, calamities like this, in fact, do happen, don't they? But some, sometimes life gets pretty turbulent. Uh, this language here in this psalm is poetic. Um, and so it could be speaking of actual turbulent times of earthquakes and those kinds of things. But it can also be a picture that points to the difficulties that we have in life that comes in many different forms. Um, God has not placed Christians in a bubble where we're protected from calamities. Calamities happen even to followers of Christ. But we see in this text that you need not fear. In, in fact, the psalmist begins verse 2 with this affirmation, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way. So how can we not fear when trouble rages all around us? How can we face turmoil with confidence? Here, here's how. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, verse 1 may seem a bit obvious. Uh, we all know that God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. He's really unlike any other the security, the shelter we find in God is greater than any other. And we often want, and the problem though is that we often want other things plus God in order to really feel secure. So why is that? So sometimes we don't live by faith. Sometimes we don't live with eternal things in mind. Sometimes our eyes are fixed on earthly, temporal things. Um, sometimes we, we want to trust the Lord, but we really want to have good health too. Sometimes we, we, we want to trust the Lord, but I really want a trouble-free life. I want uh, to feel secure when there is no longer the threat of illness. Um, we feel secure if we have problem-free kids or we have a good job. We feel secure if we have a nice retirement nest egg waiting for us. We feel secure if we live in a country that has a powerful army. 
But is God our refuge and strength? Not all of those other things. Is God our refuge and strength? Does his very present help in trouble drive away your fear? Do, do you see God by faith when you are in the midst of trouble? Um, you, you may ask, will I, will I always feel like he's my refuge? And I would say no. But this psalm calls us to affirm whether we feel it or not by faith, because it's true whether we feel it or not, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Listen to verse 4 through 6. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. We, we need to affirm that because God is in the midst of his people, that's what makes us secure. We, we see a couple of things here in the, these verses. First, joy is found where God dwells. Um, do you remember the description of the raging, foaming seas in verse 3? In verse 4, the water is a stream that makes people glad. What a difference. With God, the waters are not turbulent seas, but instead a life-giving river that gives joy to the heart. Ponder these words. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is the one who genuinely satisfies our heart. God is the one who can give supreme joy. There are many things that we enjoy in life, but God really is the ultimate joy. Only God makes the heart glad with no disappointment. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures ever, evermore. Hope is found where God dwells. Verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So we may walk through the darkness of night, but we are promised that God will help us when morning dawns. I love Psalm 23. Um, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We, we see in scripture again and again that normally suffering precedes glory. That was true for Jesus, the cross before his exaltation. Our hope in God doesn't mean we won't face sufferings. It means that God will bring us through suffering to glory. We can be comforted when we face great obstacles because God, in fact, is sovereign over all. Verse 6 says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. <laughs> there is no match for God. Uh, the Philistines were no match for God. The Amorites were no match for God. The Moabites were no match for God. Time and time again throughout the Old Testament, you see that God stopped the nations that threatened his chosen people. Has God ever 
failed his people? Absolutely not. Now, there may be times when they thought so. Maybe Joseph felt forgotten in prison. Maybe Job felt ignored as he sat in ashes waiting for God to speak. Certainly, Jeremiah wept as he saw the destruction of the city that he loved. But in the end, they all affirmed that God never left his throne. In the face of trouble, we are comforted by the fact that though the nations rage and kingdoms totter, when our sovereign, all-powerful God speaks, the earth melts. Therefore, we know that we are secure in him. Verse 7 says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There, there is not a better fortress because God is with us, we are secure. Verses 8, and nine, eight, and ten, eight through 10 say, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Because God will be exalted in all of the earth, you really can be comforted. Um, ponder God's works. Think about God's works. These works include desolations that he has brought on the earth. At times, God brings destruction. At times, God brings earthquakes, droughts, tornadoes, and they don't happen haphazardly somehow outside of God's control. Verse 8 affirms that God brings desolations on the earth to serve his good purposes. Um, recently, I was reading through the 10 plagues of Egypt leading up to God delivering Israel out of slavery. And again and again, we heard how these devastating plagues and destruction against stubborn and wicked Egypt were done so that the whole earth would know that the God of Israel was the true God of heaven and earth. Um, th this truth that God brings desolations is meant to comfort us, not unnerve us. Uh, so some say, well, God, God is, is good, so he can't bring desolations. It's the devil that causes desolations. No, no doubt the devil has his hand in tragedy, but my friend, I want you to know this. There is not one thing that can happen on this planet that is outside of God's control and influence. Not one thing. If, if there were, God would no longer be God. Furthermore, he could not be our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. So, the loss of a job, the dreaded cancer, the sudden death of a spouse, the tornado that destroys our dreams, are these tragedies cruel jokes of Satan that God finds himself helpless to stop? Now, in his popular book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Rabbi Kushner 
asserts that insurance companies refer to earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, and various other natural disasters as acts of God. Then, then he says this, and I quote, I consider that a case of using God's name in vain. I don't believe that an earthquake that kills thousands of innocent victims without reason is an act of God. It is an act of nature. Nature is morally blind without values. It turns along following its own laws, not caring who or what gets in the way. There is, end of quote. Now, when you think about that, there is an awful lot that we could say in response, but I would simply ask this, what, what does Rabbi Kushner do with Psalm 46? The Lord creates and brings desolations amongst other things. Man often asks the question, why, why am I facing these problems? Many people say it's just luck, it's chance, it's fate. But beloved, I want you to know we can do far better than that. I, I like what Jerry Bridges says in his book, Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. And I quote, if there is a single event in all of the universe that can occur outside of God's sovereign control, then we cannot trust him. And then Bridges adds, I will say this next statement as gently and compassionately as I know how. Our first priority in times of adversity is to honor and glorify God by trusting him. We tend to make our first priority in the gaining of relief from our feelings of heartache or disappointment or frustration. This is a natural desire, and God has promised to give us grace sufficient for our trials, but we honor God by choosing to trust him when we don't understand what he is doing or why he has allowed some adverse circumstances to occur, end of quote. Psalm 46 invites us to ponder the works of God and to trust him. Um, now, notice verse 10. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Notice the shift in verse 10. Up until this point, the psalmist has spoken, but now God speaks. And God says, be still and know that I am God. God invites you to ponder him. Actually, the injunction, be still, is not so much a word of comfort as it is a word of rebuke to a restless and turbulent soul. God, God is saying to us, quiet, be still, for I am God. Why must we be still before God. It's because he alone is God. The command to quiet our heart means that in the midst of the storms of life, we intentionally focus our heart on God. We're, we're so focused on him that we lose sight of the raging sea around us. Our thought life and emotions and will are not swept away by the problems Instead, our thoughts and our emotions and our will are centered and fixed on the person of God. Our refuge and our strength, our very present, 
help in times of trouble. We know that he is with us. We believe that and we're comforted by him. And we know that we are secure in him. So let me ask you a question, a personal question. How long has it been since you were still? Um, how, How long has it been since you quieted your heart as you pondered the person of God. For, for many of us, I think our feet hit the floor running in the morning and they don't stop until we crash at night. Um, our schedules can be jam-packed with tons of activities and I'm not even talking about bad things, it's just busy things. We have lots of important things to do, but none is as important as this activity to quiet our hearts before God, to be still and know that I am God. And so the challenge is for you and I to make it a daily priority to be still in the presence of God. Um, if, if we want to experience his peace, if his, the peace of Christ is going to reign in our hearts, we have to quiet our hearts in the presence of God. Uh, I encourage you to carve out time to be still before God, to affirm who he is and the fact that he is with us. He who gave his son for us so that we might know him, wants us to know him and to be comforted by him. And know the second half of verse 10 says this, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God God created you and saved you so that you will live for the praise of his glory. The the chief desire of our heart should be not to remove the problems of life, but to honor him in the problems of life. I think this is where our fears and our anxieties often come. We, We want to be God. We, we want to be in control of everything that happens in our life. We want life the way that we want life. We resist and fight against God when we don't accept whatever he chooses to bring into our life for our good and his glory. God, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Not, not when we have life just the way that we want it to be. God is sovereign. God is with us. God is our refuge and strength. He is most glorified in us when we have joy in him. Not not in having all of life ordered just the way that we want it to be. God's chief concern is his own glory, and that should be ours as well. God will be exalted in our sickness and in our health, in our poverty and in our riches, in times of peace and in times of great trial. What matters is that God will be exalted in my life. When, when Job experienced great calamity, go read uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Job. This, this is what he said as, as he reflected on all of the things that had happened, losing his livelihood, losing his ten children, Losing his health, Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Again, Psalm 46 ends by repeating what was said in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Therefore, you have every reason, you have every reason to be comforted by him. The, the type of comfort, um, th this type of comfort does not come to a natural man. It, it's not tied to circumstances. Comfort comes from being known by God. It comes from his presence with us. It comes from the fact that he is our refuge and strength, our very present help in times of trouble. It comes when in the midst of the difficulties of life, we run to him in faith. As believers, we are in the process of learning to live fully in light of God's presence and God's promises and God's provisions. Um, if you're like me, often we forget. We may even resist or rebel. Maybe even daily we find ourselves, though broken over our anxious hearts, not so much because we don't like anxiety, but because we know that our fear and anxiety does not reflect God's comforting presence and help and strength in our lives. Sometimes our anxious hearts make it seem like there is no God. And when this happens, our hearts are grieved because at that moment, we're not living in a way that exalts him and honors him, gives him the honor that he deserves. And when we become aware of that, we have sorrow in our heart. We repent of that. We change. But, but know that fear is a common struggle to man. Th thankfully, there is hope for the weary because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And the work that God started in his children, he promises to complete. And so more and more in an ever-increasing way, God will be exalted in our lives, no matter what the circumstances are, just simply because he's with us. And I pray that that will become a growing reality in all, of our, in all of our lives. May God help us. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we, we love problem-free lives. We love when life goes our own way, um, the way that we want it to go. Um, we love to have mountaintop experiences, but dread those long walks through deep, dark valleys in life. So, Father, thank you for reminding us that comfort, security, joy does not depend upon everything being just the way that we want it to be in life. Our comfort and security really depends upon you and your presence your presence in our lives, your, your place of comfort that you give. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be a people that in the midst of difficulties that we face in life, help us to be a people that run to you in faith, that see you as a safe place, that see you as our refuge, that find comfort because we know that you are with us.
in the midst of our anxious hearts at time, Father, may we hear your command to be still and to know that you are God. Help us with that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.